So the theme of my talk today is anger. When I talked with Sylvia about possible themes to give talks on, I gave her a few. I said, well, I've been exploring anger a lot, and she said, anger. (laughs) (laughs) And so what I'd like to do is to really explore how we understand anger and how we work with it in our practice and in the various settings of our lives. Can everyone hear me okay? Okay. In the various settings of our lives, so not just in our formal practice, but also in our interpersonal relationships, in our work environments and the groups we're part of, and and even the larger institutions and society. So I want to begin just by inviting you to do a kind of imaginative exercise. I'd like you to, you might want to close your eyes, but I'd like you to bring to mind an experience in which you were unskillful with anger. This can stay entirely private. So, (laughs) whatever unskillful means to you. (laughs) So bring that experience to mind. Feel the contours, the concrete details of the situation. See if you can review what that was like. could be your own anger or the anger of others. And secondly, I'd like to invite you to bring to your awareness an experience in which you were with anger, either your own or that of others, in a way that felt uh, skillful or more skillful.
And as I talk, it may, if it's helpful, you may have those experiences as reference points for your own reflections on, on what's brought up. So I want to begin, or not begin, but continue, I should say. I want to continue by giving a few quotations, all by Buddhists, about anger. And you might think about which tradition this might come from, or some of you may even recognize a given person. So I want to give a few of these. And I'm going to give a hint that they're not, they don't agree on anger. Okay, so here they are. Anger can be compared to a snake, the poisonous cobra. We should not welcome it into our small house. Without contemplation, we cannot know the real danger of anger. So we need to meditate on anger to know its danger. Then we need to develop mindfulness. Mindfulness helps us to maintain all aspects of the mind so we can close the door of our house to protect it. So anger will not master the mind. On the other hand, when anger becomes the master, the body is burning because the mind is burning. That is why the world is crying today. It is burning from anger. So we need to get rid of this anger, let go of this anger. Meditation and contemplation can help us to do this. That's, um, that's from a contemporary Thai monk, not, not well known, named Chon Fangcham, who, who's, um, who sometimes comes to this country. Second, second uh, reading. Once you have anger, Buddhists say it is like a fire. The nature of fire is burning. So your anger first burns yourself. You burn inside, and then your body burns with shaking, and your speech burns with anger. But anger not only burns you, it burns your friends and relatives, and then your town and country. When the fire catches our society, we even have wars that burn uncontrollably. This fire cannot be controlled superficially by social laws. It must be extinguished individually by extinguishing its cause in selfish attitudes, in egotistical points of view. Ignorance is the most powerful source of all evils, including anger. That is the Buddhist teaching. That's from uh, a Sri Lankan monk named, named Pandith Vajiragna. A third, a third reading. As I do not become angry with great sources of suffering such as jaundice, why be angry with animate creatures? They too are provoked by conditions. Hence everything is governed by other factors which in turn are governed by other factors. In this way nothing governs itself. Having understood this, I should not become angry with phenomena that are like apparitions. Even if I cannot develop compassion for all such people who through the arisal of disturbing conceptions set out to try to kill me and so forth, the last thing I should do is become angry with them. That's from the text by Shantideva from the 8th century. 
the text called The Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life. It's one of the favorite texts of the Dalai Lama, expressing a Mahayana view about, about the emptiness of anger. Another one. You can think of holding anger like a mother holding a baby. Just as the anger is inside of us, so is the loving-kindness of a mother. Every time the energy of anger is there, we should invite the energy of loving-kindness to be there to take care of the anger. You may recognize that voice. It's Thich Nhat Hanh. A little different take on anger, right? A little different approach. Another one. We can find gold in the judgment and anger we have. For within them is the valuing of justice and integrity. When we work with anger, it can be changed into valuable medicine. Transformed, our anger and judgment give us clarity to see what is skillful, what needs to be done, what limits need to be set. They are the seeds of discriminating wisdom and a knowing of order and harmony. Jack Cornfield. <laughs> a little bit different than some of the others, right? Two more. The energy of our anger can be, con- can be transformed into positive and skillful action for others. The anger transforms into compassion. The energy of anger is completely pure. So if we can give up the dualistic quality, that energy becomes compassion, which can then benefit others. Anger then has a positive outcome. It's a Tibetan teacher named, uh, who teaches at Naropa named Judith Simmer Brown. Last one. Confronting my rage, witnessing the way it moved me to grow and change, I I understood intimately that it had the potential not only to destroy, but also to construct. Then and now I understand rage to be a necessary aspect of resistance struggle. Rage can act as a catalyst inspiring courageous action. My rage intensifies because I am not a victim. It burns in my psyche with an intensity that creates clarity. It is a constructive, healing rage. Some of you may recognize that voice. It's the voice of uh, Bell Hooks, who is an African-American writer, also a Buddhist. So my question is, how do we explore anger? How do we hold anger so that we can see that each of those quotations, each of those voices, has a part of the truth? They seem on the surface to be very, very different. How can we see anger as sometimes, like the first authors or the first speakers, as simply unwholesome and destructive, as empty, based on conditions.
as an experience that we can approach with mindfulness. And lastly, how we can see anger as energy that carries elements of clarity and justice and integrity. And how we might work with anger in a transformative way. How do we hold those together? Or do we? Anger is actually very, very confusing to many of us. I talked with Gil Fronsdell, who teaches here at Spirit Rock about anger. He said that of all the questions that he gets as a, as a meditation teacher, he gets the most questions about anger. More questions than he gets about enlightenment, relationships, samadhi, and sex. Anger. Anger, he gets the most questions about. It's not hard to see why, given those quotations I read. Those, putting all those quotations together in one's mind could be very, very confusing. And I'm, I'm going to explore that confusion just in a moment, because it's very, very confusing, the whole theme of anger, for many of us. Not everyone, but for many of us. For myself, it has been. So I want to talk a little bit personally about my own relationship to anger, then talk about some of the confusions about anger, and, and then um, finish the talk with talking about how to work with anger. So that's, that's how I want to approach this, this today. So for myself, um, anger has been a kind of doorway to a lot of um, learning. It's, and I see it that way. It's, it's a very mysterious uh, topic. I think in our culture, you know, uh, the, the um, 20th century, the great 20th century Jewish um, theologian and activist, Abraham Joshua Heschel, who walked with King at Selma. He wrote in this uh, very, very powerful book uh, called The Prophets, which is about the Jewish prophets who certainly used anger. He, he wrote a chapter called The Mystery and Meaning of Wrath, seeing it as this very mysterious quality that can both destroy and transform. And I think, I think I get, I'm giving this talk in part because there's still, for me, a lot of a lot of anger to explore. And I think I'm giving this talk to help me both um, explore some more and report on where I have explored. And I think in part, my, for, for me, like, like many of you, anger becomes something important to investigate because, I have to confess, I was brought up to be nice. Maybe some of you were also brought up to be nice. You know, I was brought up essentially with unfamiliarity about the expression of anger and conflict. And I think probably made some, almost some uh, ancient agreement 
to be nice and not bring up the anger that came through or the conflict and be a nice and good boy. You know, and and it certainly stays with you. We, if that's been part of one's early background, as, as we know, that stays with us. And so, for myself, exploring anger and exploring how it also comes into our sense of who we are in spiritual practice, where we often, if we're conditioned to be nice, well, being a meditator is very attractive because we can sort of find a way that our niceness translates into being calm and mellow and together, and we may still be terrified of anger and conflict and preserve a kind of spiritual self-image of being a person that doesn't really get angry. And if we get angry, we certainly don't express it. And I think that this is, from, from my own looking into myself and looking into and talking with friends about their own experience, I think this is a deep tendency for many of us, not all of us, but for many of us, to have anger and, and also conflict become kind of shadow area that we don't fully include in our spiritual practice. And so for myself, exploring that more has been really important and not always easy. So exploring it in meditation practice and also very much in uh, friendships and intimate relationships um, where it's a little harder to hide out and not be angry, right? (laughs) A little harder. (laughs) But it's possible. (laughs) Um, And also in, in work situations or in the context of groups and organizations there seems to be something about anger that for myself carries a kind of vitality and energy, I think along with other kinds of energies like the energy of conflict and sexuality that carries something that has a lot of vitality and energy that seems important. And I found this uh, line from a poem by the African-American poet Claude McKay. He said... He, he talked about anger as being what he called a kind of dark passion that gave that, that nonetheless had something to teach. He said, My being would be a skeleton, a shell, if this dark passion did not forever feed me vital blood. An interesting way to look at that. So... That's some of where I start from in, in exploring this. So, and yet it's a, very, it's a very confusing area. So I want to talk about, very briefly, about why we're confused about anger. And I was thinking in giving this talk of subtitling it, why Western Buddhists are confused about anger? Because, I, again, just trying to put together those quotations could be very confusing. And I want to give... Um, four reasons. One of them is that our culture is very confused about anger. When we look to the kind of the cultural resources that we have, you find totally different views about anger. In fact, it's been said that anger is the emotion that there's the most disagreement and confusion about. You know, you don't have the same level of confusion about love, for example. 
And so you can find, if you look to something like psychotherapy, you can find people who say, it's very important to express your anger and to have kind of a cathartic expression. Let it out, right? You also find the opposite. You find people say, it's really important to kind of work it out within. Don't let it out. You find in religious traditions completely opposite views. You find in the Christian tradition, uh, anger is listed as one of the seven deadly sins. And yet you also find in someone like, in, in many of the theologians, the view that anger is an appropriate response to injustice. Both of those are together. It's very, very confusing. Some people think that anger is necessarily linked with aggression and hatred, and therefore that anger should be avoided. Other people want to separate them. Very confusing. What is anger? I think as people practicing insight meditation from the Theravada tradition, there's a second source of confusion in that we get, I think, from that tradition, primarily negative views about anger. That anger is essentially a form of aversion. That it's simply unwholesome. And you can find that in some of the texts. That it's simply something that um, one should really contain and work on and avoid the expression of. And yet, what do we do if we're practicing insight meditation and we're also drawing from some of these other sources? If we're working with psychotherapeutic practices, as someone like Jack does, where there are very different views about anger, how do you put them all together? It's very confusing. A third source of confusion that, that I have found in, in looking at this is that, to me, it's not clear that anger means the same thing in the ancient Buddhist text as it does in our culture. That there are cultural connotations to anger which are different, it seems to me. And so the translations of the text get very problematic. You know, when the Dalai Lama was asked about this, he said that there's often in the Tibetan language not a clear distinction between anger and hatred. And so we may be reading text where a better translation would be hatred and it's translated as anger. Whereas in our culture, that distinction is really important. That we can say that a mother could be angry at a child, but we wouldn't say that a mother hates the child. And so that's a source of confusion. A fourth source of confusion, if we didn't, you know, if we didn't already have enough, is that is, is related to that, that quality of niceness that I was mentioning, that we often are brought up to be <coughs> afraid of conflict, to be nice, to be not willing to express anger in public or with others. That, that's, that's, a da- that's a scary area for us. And so many of us have also have that conditioning. So you add all these together, and it's difficult. It's confusing. And I think we should just acknowledge that. 
and see and see how it appears in our experience. So given that it's confusing for us, for many of us, how do we work with anger? And I think what I really want to, to do more than anything else is invite uh, the kind of inquiry that I was talking about last time. Invite us to really look for ourselves. That's the spirit of this practice. To really look for ourselves and work with anger and really make it an area of inquiry and investigation. And really look deeply at how anger is destructive and unwholesome at times. And also potentially how it might be a source of, um, of power and clarity. So I want to give a few guidelines that I have found useful for working with anger. But before doing that, I want to talk about two retreat experiences that I've had which were very helpful for me in in working with anger. The first occurred about 10 years ago, and I was was on about a nine-day retreat. And I was angry almost the whole retreat. You know, not just a little bit, but like 15, 16 hours a day, angry. I mean, you might not look at me and think that I could be angry for, for that long, but I was. You know, I really was. I'm being honest. And, you know, the, for me, the, the, actually the content of the anger was coming, out of a, it was coming out of having just moved to this area and having lived in Kentucky and rural Ohio for a long time and kind of been away from the scene here, from the, from the insight meditation scene and having done some teaching and a lot of exploration and really thinking that we needed to make this practice come alive in this culture. You know, if you want to make it come alive in the culture, go to Kentucky and rural Ohio. <laughs> you know, and that was really like my, my edge, my, what I was, had passion about. And I came here and I went to the retreats and I was feeling the retreats are treating us like we're monks and nuns in Asia. Mm. You know, and, and there was anger. I felt some anger there. And I said, haven't they learned over the years to make it work for us in our culture? And there was some judgment and anger. And I, and I, and I um, talked to Jack. I was working with Jack at that point. And he said, well, you know, actually I agree with a lot of what you're saying. But you have a choice here. You can either go home or you can stay here and be with your anger. And if you do, I want to use a particular method. So we use the method that's used in the uh, Burmese tradition of noting and then actually at the end of every sitting and walking, writing notes on what happened during the sitting and walking. Very, in this practice which is done in, in a lot of Burmese traditions. And so I did that. I did that for a week, you know. And then at the end of the time, I produced a flow chart of my anger. <laughs> you know, all the branching, you know, branching stems, and, and it was, I, was, I was proud of it. You know, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was fascinating what I found. And I wanted just to report some of what I found, you know, and then, and then talk about working with anger. One thing I found is that there's not just one form of anger. There are a number of different forms of anger. You know, I think I'm inviting you to your own inquiry, so I don't want to say too much, but I want to just say a few things that, that you might really investigate yourself. One is that I found that there were very different forms of anger. It's not just one. I found that there was like 10-year-old, totally reactive 
anger, I'm not getting what I want, blah, 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 totally reactive. I think this is the kind of anger that's seen as unwholesome and potentially destructive when we do it as adults. Just totally the kind of anger that, that is totally reactive, uh, based, on, based on frustration, crashing out. I also found anger, when I went deeper into the anger and hung out with it, I would find sometimes that the anger would shift. Like when we were talking about judgment last week. When I would be with the anger, I would find that it would shift and that it would sometimes shift to sadness. And the sadness might be, the content might be, oh, I, have, I think I have a lot to say and my voice isn't being heard. There'd be a kind of loneliness and sadness connected with, with the content of that anger. And I would hang out with the sadness. And sometimes the sadness would self-shift and would sometimes shift to love and caring. I really care about this community. I really, and I, I would be in touch with that. And I could feel that there was a certain caring energy behind the, the, um, that was connected with the anger. And that only that inquiry really disclosed that. Otherwise, I would stay more on the surface. And doing the practice, deepening, and going into the going into the anger. And so I found a kind of anger that really was connected with caring, and and even with love. Go to the level of the love; it would transform into compassion, and permit me to maybe act more skillfully. I also found that sometimes the anger became a kind of Old Testament, prophetic, cosmically true, righteous wrath. <laughs> Have you ever experienced that? <laughs> and it was, it was kind of the voice of saying, these people better shape up. <laughs> they better, you know, we know the truth here, and it's time to shape up, and if they don't, smashed. <laughs> or something like that, you know. That was the, 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 the it was, it was the different voice. It was a different kind of anger that was, I was like, what? What's that? Because it didn't feel that personal, you know, and it didn't occur all that, all that much, but it was, it was something, I, I thought it was kind of prophetic wrath, and, you know, someone else may say, well, it's more like the first kind, like, like something different quality. And, It's still difficult and hard to work after something like that. And I wanted to relay one other retreat experience, which was the one I talked about last time, about judgment, about this, this practice of being with comes up and hanging out with it. And, and this practice that I did during the two-month retreat last uh, winter, but every time judgment would come up, I would just be with it, and I would also summon... I would ask, where has been the judgment or even during the last day? And I would bring it to mind and be with it for 10 or 15 minutes. And I would also both try to be mindful and also see where it went. You know, first during the two-month retreat and then afterwards, you know, where I would do that 10 or 15 and judgment, right, so to speak. 
deeper that was calling out to be and also that when that the energy of the judgments would radically shift. You know, it's this quality that transforms into, it could transform into the sadness, it could be a sense of or judgments connected with, but it seems to, it seems to be found that in going deeply into the intelligence connected with the anger which I think is really important. Sometimes we just say, oh, I want to get rid of my judgment. carries insights and intelligence. And if we simply get rid of intelligence, and I think that's the transformative way to work with it, that the, that the intelligence needs to act on this, but it, the action can come more out of that compassion as I did this practice afterwards. This is this was kind of funny. I developed a soft spot in my heart for judgmental people. Oh, wonderful. Let me be with this person. I, I did find myself feeling that. Oh, I know what that's about. I know Noxious. It's there's there's something that's wanting to come through that, and I yeah. Or is fear. Yeah, um, it's really um, a statement of uh, has to do with hurt or fear. And I think that's, that's often true. Also, to see are there different forms of anger? Because some of them and that may not reduce to fear, you know, or hurt. It may there may be a 
uh, be a personal hurt or something. Uh, Claude McKay about this what he what he called a, a dark passion. Needs to needs to get communicated. Yeah. That um, you know so And we actually, when we did some work together, we put relationships and spirituality, and anger is a main theme. And what we did you're saying, yeah. Like you, it's been important to connect emphasize the light and the calm. And I think was a little scared. Maybe that's part of his legacy. 
you've said it very beautifully. I, I hope that we can learn things from. from the prophets in this book by Heschel. And the way you were talking about King, Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.